0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You're the wild crowd. Why don't you do me a favor, and this will be new to those of you who are new, so you can just stand. Stand, hold your Bibles up. We have a Bible confession. The reason for that is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Paul said uh, to the church at Corinth, we believe, therefore we speak. So today I'm believing God for these things. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. And I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, your life is about to get a whole lot better. And it's not because of my sermon, it's because of your decision. You have decided to put yourself in a place today where we talk about all things being possible. And with God, all things are possible. And there are so many miracles awaiting you and awaiting us that await our decision and miracles truly are a part of our lives today. And that a uh, many, many miracles are the result of the choices that we make. Let me just give you an example. And we talk about Jesus being raised from the dead. A lot of times we celebrate this day only as a day in history that will make a difference sometime in the future. I got good news for you today. Jesus didn't just die for your future. He died for your now. And the resurrection results can be lived out today. The woman with the issue of blood had tried everything she could think of to get well. And uh, basically given up, spent all of her money. But you know, she said, if I can just get to Jesus, my miracle awaits me. You know, sometimes uh, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the right place so that the right things can happen. God wants us to exercise faith in Him. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so by you being here today, you have demonstrated faith. And I believe that your faith will be honored. You know, religion is all about us trying to impress or appease God. Faith is about God bringing Himself into our lives. And it's not religion, it's relationship. And so your being here today is not going to make your week better because you were here you being here today is going to make you better because you exercise faith. And you said, God, I expect something to happen today. And that's our prayer for you. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20 and uh, verse 17. I'll read it in just a moment. But I want to talk to you just for a moment about the importance of the third day. Or what I call day three. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we don't think about numbers and the impact of numbers, but biblical numbers or biblical numerology, if you will, has a place in the Bible that so many times we overlook. Seven, for instance, is the number of completeness. And uh, you look at the walls of Jericho, you, you look at uh, the seven being that number of God, eight new beginning. six is the number of man. The book of Revelation, uh, the mark of the beast is six, six, six. In other words, it's fallen man, that we can do nothing without God. We're not complete without God. The number three, according to some historians, say that it's the number of wholeness. So, in other words, everything that you would need is found in that, that number. And so we can look back and, you know, when we talk about numbers as in regard to time, three is the number of time, past, present, future, birth, life, death, Beginning, middle, and end. When we think about heritage or legacy, we can go back to Shem, Ham, and Japheth, which was Noah and Genesis. We go to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We go Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. On the third day, Jesus was raised, but prior to that, there were three crosses on Calvary. There were three times that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and yet without sin, communicating the wholeness of the Son of God who could not and would not fail. So when we talk about day three, we're talking about finding wholeness. And my prayer for us today is that we would know what it takes to find day three in our lives. There's a point in all of our lives where we recognize that we are not complete. We are very incomplete. Why? Because three, we're spirit, soul, and body. And so when you're born, your, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and that soul is put into your body, but your spirit is dead without God. You see, thousands of years ago when Eve decided to disobey God and eat of the fruit, and then Adam followed suit, then what happened there was we were separated from God. And so when you and I were born, we were spiritually dead. So that means that we are not whole. So whenever we get born again, spirit, soul, and body is activated and we become whole individuals. And so what we have to remember is that we need to surrender to God. And that we need to be prepared for the things that God has prepared for us. And this is the big thing. We're not seeking a goal. We're seeking preparation for that which Jesus will give us as we walk in obedience to Him. So all of life is about moving Forward And not getting stuck in what I will call day one. So in Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, it says, Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them. It's a critical thing because most of us, if truth be known, uh, have to battle fear. It's one of the enemy's greatest weapons against mankind. Is that we live a life where we have a fear of death. And, uh, you know, the opposite of fear is not faith. Many people say, well, if I just have faith, fear will leave. The Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. Well, who is God? God is love. So when we find God, we find wholeness and fear no longer rules our lives. So Jesus is giving a lesson to the disciples here as they're preparing to go to Jerusalem. And he says this to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. Now Jesus had spent almost three years with these twelve men. They had followed him everywhere. They had seen things they had never seen before. They had seen Jesus walk on top of water. They had seen him cleanse the lepers forgive the woman caught in the act of adultery. They had seen him eat with a tax collector. They had seen him call Lazarus from the tomb when he was dead and brought him back to life out of the grave clothes. Don't you think for a moment that these disciples are thinking, we are right where we need to be. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, so that they won't be surprised, begins to tell them, guys, something really devastating is about to happen and I want you to walk through it with me. I want you to know what's going to happen. I want you to know the end result. You see, some of you are stuck right now, and you think that your life, this is the end result. That you're never going to see daylight. You're never going to move beyond where you are today. That, you know what, this is your bed. You're going to have to lie in it the rest of your life. i got good news for you. Your day three awaits you. Your resurrection life and joy and peace awaits the decisions that you and I make. We spend a lot of our life blaming people for where we are and, and for what we're not. And we, we look at our parents and we, the neighborhood we grew up in or the school we attended or the, the people we were subjected to. And, and you're stuck in the past of somebody hurt you, somebody harmed you, somebody abused you. And as horrible as all of those things are, you cannot stay there and live the abundant life that Jesus Christ paid for you to live. We have to rise above our past, our community, our neighborhood. I grew up in a redneck little community outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you know what? Great people, loved people. I had no vision. I was never never told that I could be more than a guy who graduated from high school and and that this was as good as it would ever get. But something inside me dreamed bigger than that community. And I'm not not dissing that community, but I'm telling you, I was bigger than that community. Let me tell you something. You're bigger than your past. You're bigger than your family. You're bigger than the dreams of others. God's put destiny in you, and you can try all you want to hold it back, but it's going to keep screaming out that you can do this. We have to realize that we cannot be imprisoned by our past because Jesus paid for it. He died for it, gave his life for it. The door to your prison cell is open. You have to walk out of it. Your miracle awaits that decision. So Jesus tells the disciples because he knows if he doesn't tell them, they're going to be in a funk and think everything that had ever happened was just an illusion, a nightmare, a dream, whatever you want to call it. So he says they will condemn him, the Son of Man. Jesus is talking about himself to death and will hand him over to the gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified on the third day he will be raised to life. So Jesus is saying, guys, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to fret. This is all a part of God's plan. How many of you know that sometimes the things we're going through are preparing us for the things we're going to? And if you don't go through them, you won't go to what God has for you. And, you know, we sit and we ponder, how could this possibly be? How come I'm struggling so much? How come life is so difficult? Because God believes in you. God has faith in you. He's not causing it, but He is there for us every time we're going through it. We just have to lean on Him. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to lean not unto our own understanding, but in all our ways trust Him. God will make it happen. And we have to put our faith and confidence in Him. And so, when I look back and I look at day three, I thought that was great. But what did it take for Jesus to get to day three? That, that resurrection. First off, you can't be raised from the dead unless you're dead. I know that was profound. That's why Paul said, I die every day. Why? So that Christ can be raised up in my life. I die to every crisis So that I can see my life succeed. If I don't die to the crisis. If I worship the crisis. I'll never get to where I'm supposed to be. And so day one. Get this. Is a test in private. Jesus finds himself in the garden of Gethsemane. Now Gethsemane was a place of oil, where they pressed olives, and it was called an oil press. It's interesting that Jesus in a place of press, where the juice is, is coming out of the olives. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is being pressed. The old saying is, "You know what? When you're squeezed, that's going we're going to know when, what comes out of you. We're going to know who you really are." And sometimes we get squeezed, and we yell, and we scream, and we we get. Angry, we get doubtful, we do all those things, but that's an awesome time for all the stuff to be pressed out of you so God can put everything in you that He wants in you. So don't run from the press. Many people are asking God. Take it away, God. Take this away. Quit asking God to remove whatever it is you're going through right now. And say, God, make me bigger than the crisis. Make me bigger than the difficulty. Make me stronger than that which is crushing me and pressing me right now. God, raise me up. Jesus is in the garden all alone. You say, well, the disciples were there. Were they really? As far as I'm concerned, if somebody's sleeping, they're not with you. And so Jesus is in this place knowing that he's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to be crucified. And he is in the garden and he takes them with him and he wants them to pray with him. And he goes to them and he finds them sleeping. And it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Now don't miss this. If you don't pass the test, you won't be prepared for the trials of life. I'll talk about those in a moment. But Jesus is saying, this really isn't about me. Each of us in this garden called Gethsemane are going to have to pass the test right here, right now. Because things are really getting ready to get difficult. So I want you all to pray. I'm going to go pray. You all need to pray. And i got to get through this. You say, but he was the... Son of God. He had all power. He knew everything. Why would he have to pray? Because Jesus was facing a moment of decision where if he doesn't pass this test, not a temptation, a test, God expected him to pass. A temptation is to try to get you to do something that he doesn't want you to do. But a test says, I want you to be everything I want you to be so you can do everything I have for you to do. And so Jesus is in the garden and the Bible says in, in this moment, he begins to sweat as though great drops of blood, this thickness, were coming out of him. And it, as painful as the cross might be when he gets on there, in this moment, let me tell you what was happening. In this moment, Jesus was about to take in all the sins of the billions of people who have been on this earth from the beginning of time, past, present, and future. And he was about to absorb those sins Into his soul. Now, the reason this is important is any of us, when we were children, we were innocent. We didn't know much. And then we grow up and we learn things. But when you were a child, I don't know how many of you ever remember doing something your mama told you not to do. Do we have angels in here? (laughs) Because as far as I'm concerned, every one of you did something your mama told you not to do. It wasn't so painful with your daddy. You know, men have that deeper voice. But when your precious mother told you not to do something, and you did it anyway. And the worst thing was when you didn't get caught. Because now you know you did wrong and the devil has you. You want to tell somebody, but you're afraid to tell somebody because if you tell somebody, you go tell mama I'm gonna get spanked, but I need to tell her because the weight of this sin is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> mama, we're at the grocery store. I took a super bubble. <laughs> they still have super bubble? Oh, you got, well, no. We have virtual bubble. No, man, we had the real gum back in my day. Bazooka came with a comic. <laughs> I remember that those days when I would my mama would tell me not to do something and I would do it, and I said, like, Oh man. That's what Jesus was dealing with times billions. The weight of sin was coming to him in the garden of Gethsemane pressing his soul perfect Jesus who for 33 years was tempted in every way that you and I would be tempted and the Bible says yet he was without sin until that moment he became the greatest sinner of all for us he wasn't a sinner I know but it came in him and it came on him that's how much he loved us That's how much he loves us today. That he would take on that sin. But it was so weighty that it said he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. The Son of God is in such anguish. After 33 years, he finally says, Father, if there's any way possible, this cup is crushing me. This moment is killing me. But listen to me. Without a cup, there is no calling. Without a cup, there will be no crown. Everybody wants a crown, but not everybody wants to drink from the cup. And Jesus himself is asking, please remove this cup. If it's possible. But in order to pass the test, Jesus said, Father, this is what I want. I know it's not the best. But if you see another way from your perspective, please let this cup pass from me. Not my will. But your will be done. You see, the thing that stands between you and your destiny, you and your day three, is not the devil. I love how Christians blame everything on the devil. And if you're old enough, there was a guy named Flip Wilson. Anybody remember Flip? <laughs> the devil made me do it. devil didn't make you do nothing. We use the devil as a scapegoat for our own stupidity. Oh, come on, somebody. No. Well, you say, well, the devil plays a role... No, he's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has no authority and power. If you believe that Jesus died and defeated the devil 2,000 years ago, well, if Jesus defeated the devil, Christ in you, the hope of glory lives in you, the devil is defeated. Guess what you're dealing with? Your flesh. I want that new car. We can't make our house payment, but I would look great in that car. I want the car. That's flesh. You know, my metabolism doesn't work like it used to. I can't eat 4,000 calories anymore. When I was young, I had a washboard. I could eat pizza, chase it with some ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, some of y'all have been partying. (laughs) I could do anything I wanted, man. I was lean, cut machine. Now, if I... It's true. (laughs) You didn't know me. I've got pictures to prove it. Okay. Wow. Whoop. (laughs) And now I have to, my flesh, man, I want to go eat stuff, you know. And I'm telling you, man, I mean, I look now, 1,200 calories... I have to eat about less than 2,000 calories a day to keep this cute girlish figure. (laughs) But my flesh screams at me. And I have to pass the test. I shall not eat. Now, you know, I ain't mad at nobody who wants to eat all you want to eat, man. Just, Just have a good time. But I'm saying, in my life, I'm just going, these are disciplines that I want to exercise... In order to be healthy. it's what I want to do. i got to pass the test. Nobody can... The devil doesn't... I mean, every now and then, I know there's devil foods cake. Devil food cake. <laughs> and maybe he's in that. I don't know. I haven't looked at the ingredients. But a dash of Satan is probably in there. <laughs> but if we don't pass the test... We won't do well in the trial. And there's a difference. You see, the test is something private between you and God. Nobody makes me eat that. This is a test for me. This is just my thing. And y'all would love me anyway. I know that. I could be beach ball round. And you'd come and watch me bounce. But this is my own personal thing. Everybody has your own personal thing. And, and so for me, my test may be different than your test. But this is my test. All of us have a test. And if I want to be who I want to be and what I do what I feel like I need, I have to pass the test. So Jesus passed the test. Guess what? The disciples, what were they doing? Sleeping. Why were they, why did Jesus tell them don't sleep? He said, so that you won't fall into temptation. Well, let's go to the trial. Remember what happens? We go to the trial. Jesus passed the test. Peter didn't. So, and the disciples didn't pass the test because when Jesus is being led away to be slaughtered, to be crucified, the, the disciples leave. At least Peter hung out, but Peter hung out, and guess how many times Peter denied him? Three times. Why? Jesus was addressing the sin that was going to happen if Peter didn't stay awake and pass the test. So when they said, well, you're one of them. You were with him. Peter denies it three times. Why? He didn't pass the test so he couldn't stand in the trial. Our convictions have to be apprehended between us and God for us to withstand the trials that we face in this life. You see, you're in the situation you're in right now because the Bible says the footsteps of the righteous were ordered by the Lord. You know, everything I've gone through, some of them are my choices. And you know what? Here's the reality. You can take a very bad situation in your life and you can turn it into something glorious for God. You really can. Even if you've been stupid, made bad decisions, you turn to God. And the Bible says if a man will repent, times of refreshing will come. God wants to refresh your life. He wants to make old things new. He wants to restore you and redeem you. And some of you are beating yourselves up from your past. Let me tell you something. If you knew how bright your future was, you wouldn't even have a thought about your past. We live in our past because the devil wants to keep us focused on what we did instead of what Christ is doing. Jesus didn't allow those around him to determine what was going to happen within him. And that oftentimes we get distracted when we go to the trial because the trial happens in public, not in private. For instance, you can love God at home, but the Bible says if you hate your brother, is the love of God really in you? So now you go to work and you've got a boss that's not real friendly and not real nice and has been mean to you. And so we get a real prayer life, only we don't pray for us anymore that we won't fall into temptation. God, get them fired up in here. Get rid of them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you get real spiritual and you pray these real spiritual prayers. Get rid of my boss. for you say whatsoever things I ask in your name, you'll do it. And you quote scripture. And God's saying, this is a part of the trial. And you know what? I don't want to get rid of him because he is helping you become who you need to become. Jesus didn't say, you know what, all you guys crucifying me, I can't wait when I'm at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to ask him to smite you. <laughs> Matter of fact, Jesus said on from the cross, I could call legions of angels to come and deliver me, but he didn't. Why? This was a part of God's purpose for his life, so that you and I could be redeemed. There are things happening in our lives that are preparing us for what God has prepared for us. So, what do I do? Let me go to the Bible. It's usually a pretty good source. (laughs) Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters and misters. You women were included in this one. You don't get off the hook. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance so if the faith is tested perseverance is the result of the test now you can count it joy when you go through the trials in the presence of God the Bible says there's fullness of joy So if I stay in the presence of God, I have fullness of joy. If I find fullness of joy, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So now I can consider it all joy when I'm going through trials of various kinds because I've passed the test that has produced perseverance in my life. Bring it on. So now, rather than praying that your boss will leave and exit outside the influence of someone who can pray him into a good place, God says Quit asking me to reduce the crisis and ask me to increase your faith. (sighs) Ah, great to see all of y'all. How many of you are from the gym today? Did you get a bunch? Stand up, my gym rats. These people are MMA people over here. You want to learn how to defend yourself? Right there. I love them. Been walking through a lot with them. How many years have we been together a long time? 22 years, but who's counting? (laughs) You see, they have fought through stuff. They could have quit. Many people said they should have quit. They got quite a testimony. In prison, how long? Eight Love Jesus with everything in them, got their own business. I'm so proud of y'all. Your past does not determine your future. When you walk around Mosaic, there are stories everywhere. But there are stories of redemption. There are stories of grace. There are stories of mercy. There are stories of hope. There are stories of love. Don't look at where somebody's been, look at where they're going. Because God will lead you every step of the way. And the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. Some of you stuck in day one, still taking the test and failing the test. And, and, you know, I'm not being mean. I did the same thing. Finally, one day I thought, if I don't pass this, I'm going to be in the first grade the rest of my life. <laughs> and Miss Lee doesn't want a 6-foot, 180-pound guy in her class. You imagine how strange you'd look in the first grade right now. You'd look a little out of place. <laughs> it's important. That we understand that the test is preparing us for the trial. And the trials of life are preparing us for the triumph in life. That Jesus had to go through day one. When those who loved him and those that he loved couldn't stay awake to carry this burden with him. And then day two, he faces a crowd of people, both Jews and Gentiles, who accuse him and condemn him. A perfect man who had never done anything wrong, never committed one sin, and yet he is condemned to death. Don't you think that a normal human being, which he was obviously anything but normal, would cry out, I am innocent, you can't prove a thing, I am not guilty, why are you crucifying me? But Jesus, and you know, I I love some of the disciples. I mean, you know, Peter cuts off the ear of one of the guards. Just cut it off right there in front of Jesus. So cool, blood everywhere. Anyway, um, and Jesus, don't don't do that. These were people who were falsely accusing, arresting, condemning, and crucifying. Don't do that. You know why? Jesus said, I'm bigger than the trial. I'm bigger than the accusations. And the outcome will look so different than what everybody thinks it's going to look. Your day three awaits. Your miracle awaits. God wants to raise you up out of the tomb as He raised His Son up. Romans 8, 11 said, If the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, the very same Holy Spirit will quicken you as well. I can tell you I should have been dead long before I was 21. Matter of fact, I didn't expect to live to see 21. And I did all I could to make sure I wouldn't see 21. But one day, I was awakened to the thought and idea that maybe there is something bigger and better than the life that I've been living. And I was awakened to that truth. There's something better. The best is yet to come for you. And you say, I sure hope so. I know so. The joy of my life now is that I was able, I'm able to stand up here now after a whole world watched me fall. And I can smile and say, my God is a redeemer. I get to prove that everything I preached in the past works in me too. It's a joy that I can't I can't hardly even talk about without crying. I've had the opportunity to experience God in a way that I never thought I could or would. He's real. I knew he was, but I've had the opportunity to prove he is. My daughter called me, and I'm very close to her. She lives in Miami and we FaceTime all the time, my two grandsons. And as I was preparing for Easter, and good things happening in my life, she said, Dad, she would call me pretty regularly about four years ago, and she said, Dad, I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy for you. She said, I remember calling you when you didn't know what day it was and you couldn't remember the last time you went out of your apartment and the last time you showered, she said, welcome back. Welcome back. It was a big test and a very public trial. But I'm here to tell you the triumph awaits us. If we'll just obey God, the best is yet to come. Close with this story was a man who grew up his whole life in church. Great young man, very obedient, his parents went to church, mom, dad, and they were always there Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night, potluck dinners, they were always there. And he grew up being a very obedient young man. He lived long enough and, you know, got to see his parents pass into eternity and And he was getting older now, and he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. His parents were already in heaven. He loved God with everything in him. Passed the test. He didn't get bitter. People knew that he was sick, and doctors told him, you just have a few weeks to live. He went to his pastor, and he said, Pastor, he said, "Uh, you know, I kind of want to tell you how I want to celebrate my life which sounds a little strange it's what my dad before he passed that's what my dad did my dad prepared his whole funeral I was in his room when he was calling the funeral home he was ready to go be with Jesus painful for me but I watched my father at 84 years old prepare for his own funeral well that's what this man was doing he said pastor I come to you Because I know you'll honor a request that my family would find strange. He said, I'm sure you've never heard this request before, so I just want to be clear. I know that people will walk by my body to view me in the casket at the funeral home before the funeral. And he said, they'll come for the viewing. And he said, I know how this works. I grew up in church, and I've done plenty of these on my own. And he said, so here's what I want to ask you to do once, once I'm all prepared for burial. He said, I want to ask you to put a fork in my hand. Pastor looked at him and said, I've done a lot of funerals. But nobody's ever asked me to put a fork in their hand. He said, so if you don't mind, why the fork? He said, well, Pastor, you know, I grew up in church and he said, you know, as a kid, kids don't like broccoli and green beans. and They don't like a lot of things we're told we need to eat. He said, but because I love my mama and respected her and honored her, I just always wanted to do what she asked me to do. So she said, son, I want you to eat your green beans. I want you to eat your good stuff. And When they would come by to take the plates off the table, she'd look at me and she'd say, son, keep your fork. The best is yet to come. Dessert's on the way. So I want to encourage you. Keep the fork. You've eaten some pretty bad stuff. But the dessert's on the way. Day three awaits you. Where you're going to rise up above day one. The crisis. The criticism. The confusion. Tomb's empty. Jesus isn't there. And you know what? I'm believing, God, that you'll see the glory of God on this side of heaven. That you won't pass the cup off. That whatever it is you're going through, you'd say, God, I can drink this. I can overcome this. I trust you. No matter what people say about me, I won't quit. I won't go into hiding. I will not be shamed. I will rise up and I will obey you and do what you've called me to do. I will not quit. No matter what's said about me, because I know what they said about Jesus. They mocked him. They falsely accused him. They beat him. They hung him on a cross. And at the end of his day, hanging there on that tree, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You want triumph? The test for some of you is, are you willing to admit that you're a sinner that needs saved? That's where it all begins. You see, I used to party hard. I was working in a nightclub at 20. and You're not even supposed to get into. your you're 21. You don't think the devil had a plan for my life? I'd get, I'd get done. I'd, I'd, I'd be eating at Denny's at 6 a.m. Some of y'all been there, right? Don't act like you're all pious. It's 11 o'clock crowd. Some of y'all was just getting home from partying last night. <laughs> I know how this works. I drive by churches on Sunday morning after being out. Saturday night, I'd look at all those parking lots, you know, with cars in them. I called y'all every name in the book. (laughs) Look at those (laughs) hypocrites! Look at them. (laughs) I didn't hate the church. I hated Mark Crow. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. If you hate yourself, you'll hate your neighbor. What I really wanted was what y'all had. I wanted to be free of my sin. For some of you the test today is Are you willing to say God I surrender my will and my life to you Because that's what I had to do And I'm telling you it was a lot harder than this I was in a small country church I was so miserable I couldn't see When I walked in I had Peter Frampton hair Any of you ever heard of Peter Frampton? Hair down to my shoulder blades Curly I don't know what happens. I'm going to talk to God when I get to heaven. Hair quits growing on the top of your head and starts shooting out your ears. I don't know what happens. <laughs> I had hair down in my shoulders now barely got any, man. I need some of that spray stuff. Anyway, so I walked into that church with long hair. There's no telling what my countenance looked like. And all I remember sitting toward the back, second pew on the left. I thought, man, today's my day. Today's my day. And I remember lifting my hand. And those people were scared of me anyway. There weren't a lot of them, but it a little country church, and they had never seen anybody like me. But I thought, this is not about all of them. It's about me. You see, it's a private test. And God's saying to you today, it's not about all the people in here. This is not about all the people at work, and all the people around you this is about you and God this is about you getting everything right with God and the only way you do that is not by being good but by repenting and say God I am no good and God I need you right now if you don't pass the test you won't withstand the trials and on that day July 17 1977 I went forward in that little church and I think they were all grateful because I probably looked like an axe murderer in their eyes and i gave my life to jesus christ without shame and i never looked back oh i still you know i've still got all kinds of issues welcome to mosaic church okc people with issues and not afraid to admit it welcome you see that's, this is not about our perfection or our performance it's about his perfection and his performance on the cross And our acceptance of that and allowing Him to come into our lives and be the Lord of our lives. That's what all this is about. And so if you feel you don't want anybody to know, it doesn't matter what any of us know. It matters what you know. You can't sleep at night. You're not happy. You have no joy in your life. You're full of fear. Those were all the symptoms I had. And when I gave my life to Jesus... I found hope, I found love. I grew to, to experience grace and mercy, and that's what you'll get here. But I want you to get it in your heart. And so there are those of you today. That's your test. There are others of you. Your test is this. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but man, I'm bitter. Well, God doesn't want you bitter. God wants you better. And today your test is, I will forgive. You see, our joy is not found in somebody else's apology. Our joy is found in our forgiveness without the apology. So if nobody ever apologizes to you, if you're waiting on that, you may wait a lifetime. But you don't have to wait on that because today you can forgive without an apology. And you can live a free life. That's your test. Your triumph will be forgive and you'll be forgiven. It's a wonderful thing. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And no one moving around, please. There are those of you today that you fall into this category. And there's so many other categories I can't even mention today. But you know what they are. Today you want to be free. Well, today is your day of freedom. But guess what? It's your choice. Nobody else's choice. The devil can't stop you. Only you can stop you from experiencing a better you. The best is yet to come with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Mark, pray for me. I want to pass the test. Today I'm a sinner. And I'm not afraid to admit it. Because I want to be free. I want to know God. And I want to be known by God. I want to spend eternity in bliss and glory. Not in darkness. If that's you today, I want to ask you, With all the courage you can muster and confidence and know this, you're in a place of love and acceptance. It's also a place where you'll find forgiveness. So if that's you, I want to ask you to slip your hand up right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Put them up. Thank you, 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 thank you. Wow. You can put them down. So many of you today. Here's what I want to do I haven't done this all weekend But I'm going to do it right now I want to ask ask all of us to stand right now Stand up And those of you that lifted your hand And there are those of you that You've walked away from God And this is the first time you've been back in church in years We used to call it backslidden I've walked away from God And I want to come back to Him How many of you say that's me today I need to come back Well here's what I want to do I want to ask you to step out of your seat right now, and I want to ask you to meet me right down here. Do you have the courage right now? Just step out as the band plays. Those of you who lifted your hands, come, sir, come, 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 come. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Come on, church, come on, church. Proud of you. Come on, church, come on, church. Come on, come on. Come on, church. It's a time of celebration right now. You're about to experience a freedom like you've never had before in your life. You know why? Because what you said is, I don't care about all these people. This is between me and God. Will you pass the test? Lift your hand. Now you walked out and said, the trial will not hold me back. I'm not living any longer the way I've lived. I'm not doing what I, I, I did, I'm hiding and all that. No, you're not doing that anymore. I'm proud of you. And You know what I'm really loving? First off, I look at this young lady and I go, I'm really happy because you've got a whole lot of years left, baby. And some of you older people, like me, the best is yet to come proud of you and I love seeing all of you men up here it does my heart good because men are often a little more arrogant than these precious ladies my mama used to pray for my daddy all the time finally when I was 13 years old he came to know Jesus it was a changing point, turning point in our family some of y'all are going to turn things around in your family this Thursday night we're doing baptisms I want all of you here We want to baptize every one of you. Now you say, wow, you're really pressing it, preacher. I only have you right now. I'm going to press you. Gethsemane, the press. Be here. Let's all pray this prayer with these wonderful people standing up here. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, I am so grateful that Jesus Christ came to set me free and not judge me. And so, Jesus, today I repent of my sin. I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. Today I'm saved. Today I'm set free. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.